Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna on News Talk. Yes, you can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire McKenna Presents. Coming up this morning, nutritionist and author Daniel Davey on how becoming a parent and making serious changes to his business has not shaken his resolve to use good food to perform at his best. We'll also talk about the techniques for changing habits, which he has included in his latest book. And I went to a school in Dublin's Inchicore to hear how the kids are learning to grow their own veg and share their knowledge with their families. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, Janie, I don't really know how I am. I'm good, of course, but I am flying from one thing to the next, as many of us are. In my house, I've think I've banished the head lice. My daughter doesn't have them anymore, but now she's got braces. So that was the big thing in our house. We went to the dentist and we're surprised to find that braces were added to her teeth. So that's been another parenting roller coaster to be on. And a life coach that I had on the show a while back offered me some free sessions. She says she gifts a couple of people every year as part of an effort to give back. Which, while we're on the topic, is a major cornerstone in health and wellness. You'll often hear people like Tony Robbins, who's made millions and works with all the top earners and performers across the globe. And they'll all talk about reaching the top and it not bringing them the meaning they had hoped for until they looked at ways to give back. And there are are lots of ways you can coach at your local sports club. If you're already doing that, you were more than giving back, volunteering at a charity or even just knocking in with a neighbour and to take it down even smaller again. If we make an effort to chat or smile at passers-by, it's part of that connection which we really crave as humans. Anyway, I had my first session of What Will Be 10 this week and it really struck me as Irish people, when we're asked, how are, how are you? We just say, I'm grand. But the minute someone skilled starts leading you to go a bit deeper and gives you a bit of time and space to explore your life, what's working and what's not, it can be quite a revelation. So that's what I had this week, a look under the bonnet of my mind and my soul. And there are definitely a few kinks that need attention. And I always like to be honest on this show and, you know, hold my hands up that I don't have everything together all the time. I think it's important we say that. But it's further emphasised the point to me, the importance of talk therapy. The minute you pick it apart and talk about it, you start to see a way. And it just really irritates me. I'm in a lucky position that this has come to me. Not everybody gets access to talk therapy. And with only 6% of the entire health budget going to mental health, our wait lists to people who really need it aren't getting the help that they need. And I think it's something that I will continue to push for and ask for all the time. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. Now, 50,000 school students will learn how to grow their own food thanks to a new initiative by GIY Ireland and SuperValue. I went to school where I gone small in Inchicore in Dublin to meet CEO of Grow It Yourself, Michael Kelly. Today is obviously a very big day, um, a very important one. This has been months in the planning. It has, yeah. But great to be at launch day and sun is shining and feel a bit of spring in the air. It's brilliant. Delighted with ourselves. So before we get into this campaign, tell me a little bit about GIY, why you, you set it up and what you wanted to achieve. Yeah, well, we started in 2008, so we're, we're going about 14, 15 years now at this stage. Um, originally, it started, I suppose I had started growing my own food and kind of saw the the benefit of it in my own life and and um 
as they say there's no no zealot like a convert so I was uh, really thinking Jesus everybody should be doing this because I, I was so bad at growing when I started I used to kill bonsai trees you know uh, and house plants and things so like I kind of felt if I can do it anybody can do it and it had this just you know transformative effect on my life really that even even though I was only growing a very small amount of the food that I was eating you know maybe one or two percent um, it just changed how I viewed the other 98% because um, I suppose you develop this kind of just this understanding and this respect for food and you know knowing where it comes from and the, the work that goes into producing it and all that it just completely changed my life um, and that was I started GOI then in 2008 trying to encourage other people to give it a try really and what would have been the difference in your life before and after I know you spoke about it an appreciation of food but what sort of life were you living because I think like you said people picture a very particular kind of person that spends all yeah. their time in the garden but what life were you living when you started growing it yourself um yeah it's it's an interesting question like I, I was probably in my late 20s at the time early early 30s maybe I was work you know I'd worked in, working in IT like busy lives um loved food but you know really wasn't thinking at all about where my food was coming from and um, you know, so that that's who I was beforehand. I think once I started growing my own food, it, it turned into a kind of an obsession, <laughs> like really obse- obsessed with it. But even though I just started with a couple of things, garlic and potatoes and, and things, once you get a couple of successes, it's just like it's an unbelievable feeling. Like when you when you manage to produce some food you can eat, I felt like God, you know, <laughs> it was just it was just great. And uh just got bitten by the bug from there and I suppose like I, I think the impact was across a few different things like I was I was definitely eating more plants um you know not not that I'm anti-meat I'm not and I still eat some meat but I was I was eating way more plants because I had access to this delicious food coming out of the garden um probably wasting less food you know what I wasn't able to grow myself definitely really thinking about where I was buying food from, buying more local food, more seasonal food. Um, and just, you know, I think a more, like we, we, we use the phrase food empathy a lot in GOI to kind of describe what happens when you start growing your own food. Um, and I think that's, that's who I became, you know, like a more food empathetic consumer. And since then you've gone on to help literally hundreds of thousands of people I mean your projections for 2023 is that you'll help over a million people to grow their own veg which is massive and has a massive knock-on effect that you've just described so where do we start do we start on our windowsills do we need to have massive gardens do we need to spend hours or is it something that builds slowly um, I think it should be something that builds slowly. I think, um, you know, probably don't do what I do did, which is like digging up the whole garden, you know, like start small, get a couple of wins under your belt. Um, absolutely, you can grow food on, you know, in a very small space, a balcony or, a, um, you know, an urban space uh, inside on a windowsill. Um, it's all it's all a kind of like I suppose you shouldn't think about food growing as a binary you either do it or you don't do it it's like it's like a spectrum and at one end of the spectrum you're completely reliant on the food system and at the other end of the spectrum you're completely self-sufficient and for for most people you know complete self-sufficiency is not realistic or or anything they'd want to do maybe so like any little move you can make to kind of 
feel that feel empowered and feel like you can produce some food yourself I think is an amazing thing so you're going to start giving kids this knowledge starting today because education is key and for kids to be used to this very early on will have an incredible impact on their lives so tell us a bit about the project yeah so it's it's called uh, super value let's grow so we've partnered with with super value for three years um the goal this year is to get fifty thousand children growing their own food for the first time so we'll we'll be reaching around half of primary schools um which we're really really proud of um, and the idea is is really to give um, give teachers the ability to run a really simple in classroom growing program. So we give them a box that that rocks up at the school. It's got everything inside the box that they need um, to grow. So they have the seeds, the the compost, the little growing pots, um, all veg for five different types. Uh, sorry, seeds for five different types of veg. They grow the stuff in the classroom and then they can either plant it out in the school garden if they have one. If they don't have one, the kids can take the stuff home and, and uh, bring it into the home that way. Um, and really, it's, it's, it's all about developing that you know, sense of understanding and connection with food that, um, that I have and trying to instill that in this, in this generation. Because I think you know, they're, they're going to be consumers, the next generation of consumers that go out and I think we all know we're, we're going to have to make different choices as consumers for our own health and the health of the planet. And principal of School Wurra Gone Small, David Goff, told me why it was so important for his school to get involved. It's great for the school to be involved in a programme like this because with the children in the area, particularly in Chicor, we found that some of them might not have necessarily known where their food was coming from, the, the dinners that they get here at school, or how the food arrives to their dinner plate in the afternoon. So we, we had this campaign with, with Super Value and it's fantastic to set up, but the Gary the gardener here who's a, one of our volunteers brings the children out on a weekly basis to the raised beds and uh, they tend to their vegetables throughout the year and at the end of the year then they're able to harvest them bring them into the school and present them to other children and to their parents and show them what they've done and how they've grown their seeds into vegetables and how it's come to full fruition. And it is so important isn't it for kids to have that awareness and there is so much more awareness around health and well-being you were saying to me it's even well-being week here in the school so they have a whole different language that perhaps you or I didn't have at school yeah, it's totally different to when you and I are at school and um, this is this program and, and, and particularly the, the growing of the vegetables is kind of a lifelong skill that they're going to take with them um, and we're hoping that they will be able to pass this information back to their brothers their sisters and their family and that they take this home be something tangible they can do as a family unit to grow their own vegetables and built into that then we have well-being week here in the school and it's a fantastic week to incorporate this campaign into the week because the children are getting a real sense and understanding of you know having a healthy mind and a healthy body we have everything from yoga um, to daily meditation to breathing exercises to shake up wake up classes and it's just fantastic to see the whole school uh, coming together to get a greater understanding of of well-being and as i said already the healthy mind equal a healthy body as well and what sort of reaction have you had from the kids and the parents when you started teaching them to grow their own veg? Um, well, they were a little a bit apprehensive at first. I know children wouldn't have been overly uh, used to sticking their hands in the dirt and the soil out in the raised planters, but they grew to love it every week Gary the gardener has come in and he's showed them a different vegetable and they've planted something new and they're really excited to see uh, him arrive and take them out of the classroom around to the garden and there's a huge uh, sense of um, 
pride in their work and when they're able to bring the vegetables home and show their parents exactly what they've grown be it broccoli or sugar snaps or beetroot or the onions potatoes um, they love bringing that home to their parents and showing them what, what, what they have have grown and hoping then that they, they can incorporate it into their own dinner at home and then of course it was time to hear from the kids themselves my name is una and i'm 10 years old and una tell me about growing veg have you been doing that here at school Yes, uh, we we grow lots of vegetables and we also grow strawberries as well. Um, recently we've been growing uh, onions, uh, broccoli. Do you enjoy doing it? Yes, it's very fun. And uh, I love gardening. It's like It's much better for the environment as well. And tell me what you've learned. I've learned that you should eat healthy and that you should garden yourself and it's very fun very fun gardening my name is Tyg and i'm seven years old and tell me Tyg, have you been growing vegetables here at school yes carrots potatoes and carrots and tomatoes and what have you been learning about growing your own veg well i know about the planet though and the planet is good for you and and you make sure you help the planet and make sure you grow vegetables and stay healthy and do you enjoy eating vegetables yes good man so what's your favorite carrots uh my name is shanghan i am 11. and tell me about growing veg have you been enjoying it it's fun you you get to experience new you stuff and you get to have fun with your friends growing veg and it's fun to see them grow and what have you been growing in my own house we've been growing potatoes and an apple tree that has been grown for two years already wow is that too young to get any apples no it's it's and yes it's we need to wait for at least three or four years and why do you think it's important to learn how to grow your own veg uh, because then you can save uh, money and also save the earth from uh, wasting materials and food. Hi, my name is Michelle. My age is six. Vegetables are very healthy. Aren't they amazing? Let's Grow is designed to connect pupils with the magic of plants and the wonder of nature, which, as you can hear, has a profound effect on how the children think about food. They can develop a greater curiosity and understanding of how food is produced and gets to our tables. And perhaps most importantly, research consistently shows that children who grow some of their own veg then eat more veg, a vital habit to support healthier people and the planet. Schools across the country are encouraged to register online to receive a free classroom growing kit while supplies last. For more, visit supervalueletsgrow.ie. Alive and kicking with Claire McKenna on News Talk. So my next guest, Daniel Davey, is one of this show's regulars. I often refer to him as one of my most life-changing guests as his approach to nutrition changed mine. And I've often then asked him back to share his mission to translate the latest nutritional science into practical advice and to show people how to prepare simple, nutritious food in a fun way. He's just released his second book, Eat Up the Next Level, just before Christmas. And he joins me in studio now. Welcome back, Daniel great to be here. I often think about our first conversation and just the the depth that we got into and what we navigated in terms of our 
our mutual interest in, in nutrition and health and lifestyle and I really got a sense of your care for the space as well and that's why I think we've had such good conversations. Yeah, and you know, have I told you this before that you weren't even booked in that week and it was that something had changed, there'd been a mix-up with the publisher and they said, look, we're really sorry, the person who was supposed to come up had, sh- had come on had showed up elsewhere in the schedule that week and they said, look, we have this great guy, Daniel Davey and we were like, yeah, I'm okay. And then in you came and turned everything upside down in the way you spoke about food and I kind of take the way I feel about food for granted now, but until I spoke to you, I had still been collating food into good foods and bad foods. Mm. And when I spoke to you about eating for performance and eating to feel a certain way and to have energy levels, all of a sudden everything was back on the table. And, you know, when I go back to that and just thinking that potatoes were okay, Mm. bread was okay. In fact, I needed these things. That was a a, a life-changing moment. So we are on that journey that you just described and it's hard to really communicate or for people to get that uh, from one conversation. It's not that uh, we want to take food for granted, but we want to get to a place where it's instinctive, it's an ace, it's Uh, It's often labelled as intuitive, but that we have an understanding and appreciation for its value and that it isn't it isn't guilt, it isn't anxiety, it isn't doubt. And it's amazing. You know, I've thought about coming in here in our conversation and the evolution of practice and how your philosophy shifts, but it's clarity and confidence. uh, And it's that understanding that comes from reflection and changing that perspective within food that's it is it seems quite dramatic and if you write it down on paper to say it's life changing it seems like oh geez you're you're kind of <laughs> it's almost like you can't be serious now you're you're selling us a pup but that is the impact that it can have yeah um and it's really helped me solidify what's become my health message that to be healthy we don't need to be restrictive and punishing in fact we should focus on being nourishing and speaking of life changing since our first conversation um your life has completely changed mm. you're a father of two now so mm. how has that changed how you view the ability to have good nutrition as a focus in your life when you're juggling your own business because that's something else that has changed mm. or the way you work has, has certainly changed and now you're you're juggling that with busy family life. Yeah, we, we haven't talked obviously in, in a while. Um, a few messages and emails and things like that here and there which is great and that's the way life goes. Um, but yeah, uh, I've had a little girl. Um, my dad passed away and uh, I had another little girl uh, in the last two years and then I've moved on from my work in Leinster and Dublin uh, into my own work. And you have these different phases uh, in your life. And uh, I suppose the, the biggest thing, all of those things in, their, in, in, the, in themselves are potentially life-changing events. And the biggest thing for me is that when you have a philosophy around your health, and that the philosophy is based around that investment, that uh, you you actually learn to adapt and you learn to be flexible much more effectively. So 
it, it, it's I'm trying my absolute best to avoid any cliches here, but life is difficult and it is challenging. But if you move and roll with those things that hit you, you you can still perform. You can still live. You can still just because you're changing nappies and because I'm not playing as much golf or drinking as many glasses of wine as I was, you can still find the joy and the fulfillment very much in different spaces if you look. I really wanted to hear that you were ordering loads of takeaways and not cooking anymore because how could you with the toddler and a baby running around? But I remember having a similar mental health conversation mm. with uh, Niall Breslin one time that it's actually at these most challenging times that we need to lean in to what we know are the pillars of our health. Absolutely. And obviously there's going to be days where it all goes to pot Absolutely. and you are going to relax on that. And I think that's yeah. part of the journey yeah. as well. Because yeah. there's something about this health and wellness space sometimes that, you know, makes it sound like you get to this point where you're fixed and you're perfect and everything's great. And that's not how it works. Absolutely. Really well described and words well chosen. Uh, I, I think what uh, how I describe it when I'm working with people now uh, is your vision and your behaviours and your actions have to change. Uh, I'm not a senior club football player working in professional sport the same way that I was. I don't have a gym downstairs, but... I, I have a different vision and I have different values that I want to be passed on to my my family and I still want to create, I'm deadly serious about this, a really high-performing home environment. You know, that environment and those values and what I've learned from 10 years in professional sport, I want to carry those through. And, and, and that's what it's about. And you mentioned uh, how challenging that can be. It absolutely can be when you haven't slept and your kids throw the stuff on the ground and you've spent an hour cooking and all of those things. But there's um, there's skills. Like I would, I don't know exactly how to describe this, but if I wasn't able to navigate the tough times, I was. I would feel like, what's the point if you can't actually manage these difficult periods with all that you've learned? If you throw those elements, I would, that's that's where the real value is. That's It's those skills to be able to deal with those really challenging moments. Uh, it's not when things are great and the sun is shining. Like, it's it's cloudy and wet and cold for five at least months of the year. And can we talk about performance? Because I think because of your association with athletes and with sporting teams that they think that that's where the performance is on the pitch and, and or, you know, at the event. And mm. that is true to a certain level. Mm. Well, you talk in your books about us all being able to form, perform mm. well, whether that's in our home life, in mm. our studies, in our social life, to just feel at our best. And I'm reminded of this every single week. I had a woman, um, uh, I had a conversation with a woman in my clinic this week who came to me, she contacted me because she wants to lower her cholesterol and she'd been to the doctor recently and she saw me sharing some similar information about my own uh, cholesterol. And very quickly, I mean instinctly within a very short space of time, I'm going to say seconds, I recognised that this woman is a high performer. You know, this is a woman 
who is listening to me. She's actively listening. She's identifying what I, with what I'm saying. And I, 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 I navigated the conversation around identifying where she's a high performer in her life. And she happened to manage a business. And I said, you've got values in that business. You've got processes and systems. I said, I bet you there's even words that you identify with your work. And she said, yeah, it's growth, it's safety, it's care, it's learning. And I said, there's an evolution all the time, isn't there? And she said, yeah. I said, now let's talk about your health. Let's let's talk about how you apply those practices to the time and energy allocated to your health. And she said, they don't exist. So I said, you are a high performer. You recognize what's required for high performance. And I said, now, and, and I said, what's your vision? And she said, I want my daughter and I want our home uh, to be a place of, of, of health and positivity around food. And I want us to make that space and that time for us. And I said, are you now? And she said, no. And I said, how do you think you could? And the thing about it is, is that it's not easy, particularly when you haven't thought about it. You're at a starting point. And the only thing that we discussed was how can we navigate the morning more effectively? Where can we create habits and actions that are going to be consistent in your life going forward? And she started talking to me about porridge. You know, and she had this idea that it should be porridge. So we went through all of the different elements that was needed, the extra 10 minutes, the making sure it was in the house, all of the little actions. And then I said, how do you think your daughter is going to respond to this? And she said, oh my God. She said, there's no way she's going to eat it. And I said, well, what's the point then in starting with porridge? And I said, what do you think about the idea of just starting with having breakfast together? She said, I think we can do that. It's it's been really really clear about what are the levels, what are the clear actions. And I said it's not that we're not going to get to parge. It's that it's one change that you can actually implement at a time. And we can all build towards having those real high performing values in our lives and our home from there. But that's not really the story we're sold, is it? It's like the quick fix, the massive transformation. I mean, neither of them might look different, but they're going to feel different. They're going to be coming together. It's not something you can touch, but it's something far more powerful, albeit subtle. And I saw you asking online about any high performance podcasts that people listen to. And I actually answered myself. There's some of them I love. And we're talking about top CEOs, top athletes, top everything, these really high achievers. And I do think when you get down into the small print, they are being asked about the challenges along the way, the sacrifices, the personal relationships. Mm. We are opening out the conversation from just celebrating the material Mm. to getting the whole picture. But we're still seeing high performance as being kind of in the workplace and what you have in the bank balance. I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think there's a huge disconnect between the outputs associated with high performance. There's there's a sense of it's somebody on a bike, it's somebody completing marathons, it's somebody earning like their first one million. You know, they're all outputs. And you started the conversation about how we feel and we're not paying enough attention to that. Because for me, that's where it starts. 
It's how does it feel to have balanced energy levels? How does it feel to have purpose and clarity? And if we connect that, and, and I, I would also say that it's one of the big missing pieces in high performance. Now, we're, we're getting there within high performance. We're getting there. There's, there's people who are now, I can even think about, there's even one, my friend Kevin McManum and another guy called Ronan Conway, who are establishing the concept of connection within high performance. And they are, they're incredibly powerful. But it's going back to that point about how does it actually feel to get these actions right? If we feel like we're making progress, then we can establish the value and the confidence to build off that. Yeah, and that question feels oversimplistic to people, but we need to replace how much weight will you lose, how much muscle will you gain to how do you want to feel and what are you going to do to get there and taking those small and actionable steps. People don't want to hear that. I just don't think it sounds as sexy, but it's way more powerful. Yeah, and it's longer and it takes more attention and it takes more effort. And I got into a long conversation yesterday with a consultant who, who contacted me about my business and he said, your business isn't going to scale unless you change your message towards how much fat mass or how what percentage body fat you're going to drop because that's where the market is. And I said to him, I said, I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to stop you right there because my whole message is about sustainable sustainable practice. I said, that I would not be true to myself. I said, of course, the message needs to be in there that the byproduct will be improvements in body composition. And it's about what am I going to be doing uh, within my practice in three, five, ten years time? I don't want that to change. I want how effective I am at communicating what we're talking about and the, the real tangible elements and actions to do to become better and to communicate those messages more effectively. But ultimately, it is about what we're talking about here, you know. And when you said the power of connection, do you mean human connection in high performance? Yes, I do. And I think connection to oneself and identity. uh, I think that is such a huge part of evolution and the, 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 the sense of purpose that people will get because... I'm sure you've heard that the the a lot of athletes will talk about missing the dressing room, you know, more than missing the actual the training and the elements. And I think that's a very broad example of how an environment can make people feel. And I think if we if we tap into that a little bit more and we tap into what people's vulnerabilities and insecurities are and help people to find ways and means to be more clear about how these actions are going to make them, again, going back to that point about how we make them feel and that you're in it together. It's very powerful. Well, you're listening to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk with Claire McKenna and I'm talking to performance nutritionist Daniel Davey, among other things, about his latest book, Eat Up the Next Level. And I did notice a difference from the first book to the second book that you dealt an awful lot more with human behaviour, mindset, taking time to reflect. And I think that might surprise people a little. Um, They want to just get straight to what do I eat? How much of it do I eat? And where are the recipes? And of course, they're there and the science is there. But you mentioned that client you had earlier and starting with the kind of reflection of 
family life and what would be better and starting with eating breakfast together. And I think that takes people aback that to sit with yourself and maybe a piece of paper and try and work out what it is that's working in life and what isn't is they, they think that's nothing to do with nutrition but it's just one piece of the of the jigsaw well if if I was to ask most athletes or most high performers or people who have had success with nutrition and lifestyle they will identify mindset as being a key part of that it, it means something different to different people but that woman came to me to try and improve her cholesterol levels. And she's gone away with the practice of what does her vision look like for her behaviours, herself and her home, and identifying the values that they want to associate with, uh, with, the, with the health and nutrition in their home. And I have no doubt in my mind that the byproduct of this work and we're going to grow her knowledge to what decisions that she needs to make within her home for better health and energy levels. But the problems, the, the, the problem is not her cholesterol. The, the problems are what are the, the things that are leading to poor decisions. And when that conversation developed, it was, it was stress and it was time and it was, it was confidence and you know, it was, it, it wasn't, we have to deal with those things in life before we can address the healthy fats, the avocados and the nuts and seeds. Because when I asked her, could she describe the foods that she should be eating throughout the course of the day? Nailed every single aspect. So I said, what we need is balanced energy levels and mixed meals and we need healthy fats. I said, name them. And she could. So I said, do you see that that's not where the problem problem lies. So the concept of building out this, what, what, are my, what are the actions associated with what we want to achieve? Now let's really break it down to that breakfast and to those moments in the days where we recognised are the most problematic. How did the actions, how did the things that we're working on, how did they play out? What was the experience of them? And back to how did they make them make you feel? Did it feel good to have that control? How did it feel to sit down this week and have breakfast together? How could we push that forward? How could that be that little bit better? Because you're right, everybody knows the basic health information about, you know, five a day, moving your body, getting your sleep. Everybody knows it, but it's very hard in today's busy times. And it can be overwhelming with the amount of noise to make it happen. And I think everybody's different. We're kind of thrown at one size fits all at everybody. And it's about that self-reflection. And you also talk about on the journey, even though we all hate that word, stopping midway and going, well, how is that working for me? And what didn't work? And what happened there? And we are going to fall off and we are going to take two steps back and then another four forward. And, And that's how it goes rather than this linear road to utopian health. That's not how life works. Well, what we absolutely need is feedback. Like we, we, we need information to understand how we're progressing. And people really get that in work and they get it in other parts of their life. They get feedback on how they're performing. And it's, uh, it's something that we don't as you'll you'll see me going back to the same point about connection again, but we 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 don't have enough feedback 
in our own lives around these areas. We have to try and create it. And we can create it with our with our partners uh, or our children, but it's really effective to connect uh, on these topics within just a, a step outside our inner circle as well to get a better sense of how things are going. And this is why why gym buddies and things like that work really effectively and why communities and why gyms are building out those communities because it feels good to be working on these things together. But the conversation that I'm talking about, uh, I'll give you another example. There's a a girl who's gone through a couple of our our programs said, um, I'm going to be really honest, and we were speaking openly in a workshop. She said, I don't really actively write down my reflections every week. Uh, so I have to be honest about that. Like she was almost like thinking she was in school again. But she said, I do talk a lot to Laura about how things are going. And I said, that's very similar. You know, it is, it, you're talking about and you're paying attention to the things that are working or, or the things that you need to work on. And that's incredibly powerful too. Uh, so there's most definitely people that I use as well personally for this uh, and it really helps with building out that clarity and I think we all need that I really do I don't think it's it's an easy journey to go alone and I think it further emphasises the point I mean we've been speaking now for about 20 minutes and we haven't mentioned food yet uh, it's popped in here and there and I think that's the kind of essence of the conversation but I want to turn to food a little bit and your second book is it really stupid for me to ask how did you come up with new recipes when that's your very daily work in yeah. many ways or is there a, is there a, a, a kind of a, a stress involved in that which ones am I going to pick for this book well I, I just want to touch on it again because I think this is really important and I do use this example an awful lot but and I might have even used it uh, with you in our conversations before but I remember spending time in Italy and going to the regions in, in the Mediterranean that are identified with great health and great heart health and I looked at the food and I tasted the food and they were incredible. But there was cake and wine and processed meats everywhere. And what you realise is that it is the attitude and it is the social element. But even though we talk about that and we recognise that, it's only when you fully experience it that you begin to realise there's a whole different experience here around food that creates that mindfulness of eating. So there's a there's no TVs and you're not on your phones and it's not as eating as quickly as possible. And that that that's what has the biggest impact on then the decisions you make around the food you eat. So moving, as you asked, uh, into food and you, you asked about the creation of recipes, I am a completely different cook now than I was in the first book. And my understanding of how food comes together uh, and my even the flavours that would be used in, in dishes is different now than, than it was. So my experience of cooking, I would like to think, is is coming through in that second, second book in a, in a different way. So it's still very simple and it's still very accessible, but uh, there's new flavours and tastes because of those changes. 
Yeah, we, we need to embrace the new book a bit more in our house. I kept it down in the room for too long because I was obviously reading it ahead of this interview. We need to make it to the kitchen. But the first one is dog-eared, beyond control. We even refer to the blueberry o pancakes as the Daniel Davies. Like my husband will say, come on, the Daniel Davies are ready. So it's a massive <laughs> feature in our house, as mm. is the chocolate smoothie. Mm. Is there anything you would say we should look out for in the other book? Is there any favourite even midweek dinner that you cook time and time again? Uh, well, I think the the garlic potatoes with uh, chicken, the chicken pie garlic potatoes was definitely, definitely a big winner. There's another really good bread in there, another really good oat bread. There's the, um, there's the peanut butter cookies that I make regularly. There's a, some fantastic smoothies. But the, the thing about the second book was I wanted to try and give a... And this is, I feel like this has been missed a little bit. There's information around immunity and recipes that we can use to support, like the key nutrients that support immunity. There's recipes in there that are focused around injury and management of injury. And there's chapters dedicated to it. And I thought to myself, big question that I kept going back to my head when I was writing the second book is, how can this add value in 10 years time? How can this stand the test of time and those that information will stand the test of time that will be a useful book in 10 years time or 15 years time it won't the key principles won't be out, outdated and it's it's that element that you can just pick out a recipe and learn something that's relevant to your broader sense of, of health um, so it's it, the recipes are one element but it's the like what really excites me is is the learning while you cook concept yeah, well, look, you know, I recommend people do what I did. Start with it in your room, by your bed and read it and take a moment to think, why are you going to start implementing this way of mm. cooking into your life? Mm. Um, because that is the starting point and that is the conversation that we're trying to get to. Well, look, it reads that way. It reads that you put your heart and soul into it as you do with everything that you do. The book is called Eat Up the Next Level and you can find out more about Daniel's work at DaveyNutrition.com. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you. And uh, just one last word. I think um, our, I suppose our friendship has come through uh, in our conversation here. But uh, the feeling, I'm really happy that you started with that. And I think that the message around what impacts us and even m- me mentioning my dad and the impact of my dad in that conversation, it it, it shows, it, it can carry through to the values within the home because of his influence. Uh, and that's something that's important. And and now, you know, how that carries through to my family. If you make that connection within your own home and within your own life, it's very, very powerful. And that was a really powerful part of the book. And I know that's something we've voice noted over because we both lost our dads over the last couple of years. But you talk about the love of food from your dad and the farm and how it went full circle and you were able to use your knowledge of food to help him through cancer. And that is what it's all about. And that's high performance at its best. Daniel Davy, a pleasure as always. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Alive and Kicking, News Talk's health and wellness show. If there's ever a topic you'd like covered on the show or you'd like to comment on one which has already been on, you can always email aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, I would so appreciate if you would rate, subscribe and share with a friend. Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna on News Talk.